Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. And welcome back to another episode, number 24 of Middle Age Warriors. And our special guest today, we already heard before you even heard my voice or this other guy's voice. Hello, it's Rick. And they said it wouldn't last. And here we are. And we have a very special guest today who also is the staff announcer and co-executive producer and IT specialist for <laughs> Middle Age Warriors. And that is Valerie Smaldone. And Valerie, it's great to have you on board because you have been such a help on so many different levels, uh, recording our ins and outs, and also technically you've become an IT go-to person, and we so appreciate it, especially me, who's IT challenged. Chris, you seem to have uh, developed pretty good with your IT capabilities over the course of this. Yeah, for an old guy, I'm doing okay. But I think Valerie still has a, has her finger more on the pulse of what's actually going on. But anyway, let's welcome Valerie officially to the show. And um, one of the things that I know you're, you've been very active in as we deal with this pandemic scenario is your concern for the impact and the negative impact on the restaurant industry. And I know you're working on a really interesting initiative. So let's hear a little bit about that first. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. Um, you know, we're in New York City and like many cities around the country and in large, small markets, uh, we're seeing this tremendous economic impact from COVID and the fallout, all the things that happened following the, the shutdown in March from uh, the the riots and the looting and just businesses not being able to sustain themselves. And most dramatically is the restaurant industry. And when you think that in New York, there's nearly 30,000 restaurants in the city, in all five boroughs, and in the last month alone, a thousand have closed, um, they cannot sustain themselves. Given the challenges of no indoor dining at this moment, we know New Jersey is opening, but New York City still is not opening up inside, even at 25 or 35 percent. And having many dear friends in the restaurant industry, and I love food and I love wine and I love cooking, so I feel particularly attracted to this industry, I, my heart is breaking. And how can we help these small businesses? We can't wait around for government. We can't wait around for bailouts because it's happening now. Hey, Valerie, what's your sense um, with your ear to the ground on the talk about the restaurateurs suing the government? Because exactly what you just mentioned, uh, the situation where the borderline between Queens and Nassau allows people to go into restaurants in Nassau County. But in Queens, you still cannot go because of the laws of New York State and uh, New York City in particular. It's true also in when you think about the line between Westchester and the Bronx, right? right. You're on one side of the border, you're in, in the Bronx, the other side in Westchester and it's a different set of practices. So rightly so, the restaurateurs in the five boroughs are inflamed. I haven't met one restaurateur yet who says, I understand and we have to wait. Everybody wants to open up now. There has been no incidence of spikes in Connecticut, in Long Island, uh, or around the country in terms of proper dining. I'm not saying these packed bars and these terrible scenes we see uh, in, in Florida and other parts of the country. I'm talking about responsible dining, where people are spaced, where there is sanitation, everything done right. 
It doesn't make any sense. And everybody is very annoyed with the governor at this point and the mayor, but the, the governor has, has the say-so. And there is a lawsuit that just was announced, um, started from a restaurateur in Queens. I think there's 300 people that are suing the state of New York. Well, time. I mean, yeah, and to that point, I'm not sure, as you were just speaking of, why the restaurants themselves became lumped in with the bar scene. There's a big difference between sitting at a restaurant, at a table, safely spaced, uh, keeping proper distance, wearing a mask when you go back and forth through the restaurant to restrooms, compared to a bar scene where it's a bunch of people clustered at a bar having drinks, standing six inches apart and yelling at each other over loud music. I understand that not being there. I can't understand why the governor could not make the difference between that scene and a basic, nice, dining, comfortable restaurant scene. And so many people are suffering. Let's be honest, the restaurant business really is probably always the most tenuous business there is. And to have something like this happen, as you pointed out, a thousand, when you say closed, they're closed forever. Those are out of business restaurants and, and I'm sure there's more to come. So what is the uh, specific place that people can go, a website or something that's, that's set up to get some ideas of, of things they can do to help? Well, the thing they can do to help is very simple, and it's simply pumping dollars into restaurants. Uh, the grocery stores, since the pandemic, have done very well because everybody's home, they're shopping, they're eating at home. So we're very happy that the grocery stores and the supermarkets are doing well and the delivery services are doing well for food uh, at home. So take some of those dollars, take some of those disposable dollars, and of course, we're talking to people who can do it. A lot of people are suffering, and we're not talking to those fo folks who are in dire straits. People who have the money to do it, who are not going to the theater, who are not traveling, who are not going uh, you know, to museums necessarily or, or having uh, events, you have a little bit of disposable income. Make it a commitment to supply those dollars and, and put it toward the restaurant scene. Because a dear friend of ours who owns a restaurant said the difference between failing and staying alive is five orders more a day. Five. Wow. We're not mm -hmm. talking about, you know, big parties. We're talking about five orders. So the plan for us, Chris, is to say, j just use math. Put your dollars toward a restaurant two, three, four times a week. It doesn't have to be a big ticket item. And so the website, thank you for asking, is all four one four nyc.com and the four is the number four it's just a page that tells you how you can help and here's what it is order out take the food home or bring it to a park dine outdoors buy a gift certificate and if you're outside of new york city because i know you have a lot of listeners that are not necessarily necessarily new york city listeners and you want to support this town or you love this town or you've been in this town for God's sakes, buy a meal for somebody else. I keep seeing on Facebook, oh, I wish we could be there. We're out of town. We won't come until October. We may not be here in October. And I'm passionate about this. I mean, get on the horn, get online and order for somebody else. Sure. Do your part. It's easy enough to do nowadays. We need the help from around the country. I know other markets do as well. But we are New Yorkers, the three of us, tried and true. And uh, along those lines, I wanted to draw kind of a parallel between you, Chris, and you, Valerie, who are both long-term veteran broadcasters in the city. As we go through the pandemic and had to deal with the past 
six months of such a change in our environment, both of you were on the air as we're right around that 9-11 anniversary. And I know that this may seem a little off uh, target, but I want both of you to talk about what it was like to be on the air that day now, 19 years ago. Well, from, from my standpoint, you know, the, the, the shock of this, you know, that event was considerably different than this. This is sort of a long-term uh, tragedy we're dealing with. The 9-11 thing was just something that, you know, obviously came out of the blue, sadly enough, a beautiful blue sky that day. And yeah, I was at work that day working on Today in New York. And I remember somebody coming over. I was out of the weather center and said, put the TV back on. It was in between cut-ins. And we took a look and you saw that that gaping hole in the first tower. And at first you couldn't tell really how big it was. So I wasn't sure if it was just a small plane going in and what we we're dealing with. But obviously as the day unfolded and, and more and more things started to happen, we realized what was going on. We were under attack. It was one of the strangest uh, days of my life by far. And it is for most of us who were nearby and experienced the pall that came over the city. I remember I was stuck in the city for almost 48 straight hours. The next morning we went on the air with our local show, which was, I, I think, a little odd in retrospect. Now, it probably would have been handled differently. I stayed in a hotel. I had no clothes. I basically took my underwear, turned it inside out. Uh, you know, it was one of those kind of things. I didn't shave. And we went on the air. And I remember doing the weather. And we would take these, these uh, full screen shots while we throw up, let's say, the temperature and the current condition. And typically it would be a backdrop of a bridge or a highway or a road or a landmark in New York. And the backdrop was the shot of the smoldering pile of rubble. And after three or four times, I said to my director, I said, I, Steve, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't say, oh, it's partly cloudy and, and 67 degrees as we look at ground zero. Like, what, what are we doing? And we sort of all went at this very robotic, automatic pilot and just going through the motions. But uh, that was one of those events that because it came so suddenly, then you've got to deal with it. So there's that instant shock and now dealing with the repercussions and where we were going and what this was all about, as opposed to this pandemic, which is a very, it's like a slow drip of a tragedy. It just keeps, it's a marathon. I think 9-11 was a sprint in terms of tragedies. At least as far as recovery goes. Yeah. Um, and Valerie, I would ask you, uh, because you had some very vivid memories of that day and were on the air at your radio station, WLTW in New York City, as we approached the or past the anniversary of 9-11. What were your recollections? Well, actually, I wasn't on the air at the time. I, I had a, a more dramatic circumstance for me. And I was, for the first time, coming out of the closet as a cancer patient. I had been doing a morning press junket talking about ovarian cancer, National Awareness Month, gynecologic cancer, National Awareness Month, which is September. And they had chosen September 11th for me to be at a place, a studio in Midtown Manhattan with a physician from Sloan Kettering to talk about me being a patient. I had just finished three weeks before my last chemotherapy from having ovarian cancer and having had surgery. And this was the first time I was talking about this illness 
and it was national and international. We had people checking in from Canada. We had a, a full slate that day of talking about this awareness. And I was the, the, I was the patient. And so I was talking about my experience as a cancer patient. And I remember saying that what I learned is that you should use your good jewelry, wear your good jewelry, and use your good china because life is very precious and you don't know when it's going to end. So here I am in a studio with the doctor uh, from Sloan Kettering talking about the medical side. First plane hits and they stopped tape and they said, uh, oh, it wasn't tape, it was live actually. We were in between, we were in between hits from different stations. And we went to the window and we said, oh my goodness, it, like everybody said, it must be a small plane that crashed into this building. It's a beautiful day. Oh my goodness. Okay. We, we resume. And a couple more calls came in. And I'll never forget the, the dramatic experience I felt because I was not getting a feed from the engineering room for some reason. I was not getting an audio feed, but my, the doctor was. And she threw down her headphones when the second plane hit. And they were, we were told, but I didn't hear it, another plane hit. And she knew in that instant that this was terrorism. And she said, I got to get my kids. That was the first thing she said. And I'm like, what happened? What happened? Another plane hit. And everybody just scattered. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Stopping production, stopping. How do we get out of here? What do we do? So I said, I guess we should leave. And I said, I guess I should go to the radio station because I guess they're going to need some people. And I was leaving the location and there was Grand Central and I was going to walk through and my instinct is don't go through Grand Central because we don't know what the next thing is going to be. It's just like your instincts are so amazing. They, they really kick in into the survival mode of how do I stay alive? And, um, and then I ended up at the radio station like you, Chris, trying to figure out how to integrate into a music station that's supposed to make people feel good when we're having this tra tragedy unfold. And that was an interesting experience for me. And what I received from many listeners later was thank you for, for being there and thank you for trying to, for your calm, for being calm. And I'm sure I wasn't really calm, but I mean, I guess I was able to be calm and to have a, a friendly presence where they felt alone and isolated, which brings me to the difference between 9-11 and this pandemic. 9-11 brought us together. We were mourning together. New York was the, the strongest it was ever that I can ever recall. Probably people felt that when World War II ended and people came into Times Square so it brought us together. We had concerts. We had New York Strong. We, we were together. And, and that embracing of humanity helped us through. We can't do that now. In fact, it's the opposite. So the experience of grief and loss, which we've all had during this pandemic, is in isolation. And that experience is an extremely unique one for us as humans. Do you think the, and this is for both of you, the resiliency that we exhibited going through 9-11 was good training for going through the pandemic of 2020? Personally, I, I don't think we're using many of those positive elements that came out toward this pandemic. This pandemic, is, as Valerie was hinting at, has been used as a very divisive uh, tragedy that's happened here. I mean, if you remember 9-11, 
the House and the Senate on the steps of the White House singing God Bless America together uh, the very next evening or the evening of uh, the attacks. You don't see anything like that happening here. That could fall, quite frankly. I don't know if we want to turn this into any kind of political football, but, you know, on onto the, the leadership and the guidance and the signal caller, if you will, or the trendsetter. And what I mean by that is there's a nobody, there's not one person that can be blamed for this pandemic or one person that can fix this pandemic. But there is a person or people that can create a calm, a sense of togetherness. We're in this and we're going to get through this. And that really hasn't been the case in a lot of places in this country, from governor to governor, mayor to mayor, and right from the top as our president. So I think that's the big difference to me. I don't see these two being very relative, to be perfectly honest. I don't know about you, Valerie. No, they're very, very different circumstances. Uh, as as mentioned, the fact that we cannot be in a, in a space together to mourn, to experience, you know, those of us who've lost people during the pandemic, as did I, um, that was traumatic, not only in the loss, but in the lack of gathering. And so it is a very different experience. And the terrorism that we experienced in nine, on 9-11 allowed us to be a one entity. No matter what your political side of the coin you are, people were really happy when uh, the president came, when Giuliani was there. It was, we were looking up to strength and guidance at that point. And we, for the most part, did not have that in this experience on a national level anyway. No, but real quick, you know, talking about the the process of losing and so many people lost somebody. The other thing about this pandemic, we were robbed of expressing our emotions. That was not the case with 9-11. And and when we could express ourselves, our emotions were embraced by others and we had support. Here, this thing is so isolating on so many levels. And I think that's that's what makes this so much harder to deal with than 9-11. And also, I will say that I think it's generated anger so that where we used to be, you remember the days after this this thing on 9-11, people were so nice to each other, please, after you, and no horn honking, and everybody was slowing down. Now there's anger. It's inflamed in a second. People are so angry, and they don't have an outlet. They don't know what to do with it. Very unusual tragedy that we're experiencing. We're being robbed of, of our humanity in a certain sense, because when you're asked to isolate and stay in your cave, that creates a very, very strange uh, emotional response in different people. And unfortunately, most of what we do see is the ugly side of it. And just think about it. I mean, there are some people who look that walk around looking at each other as if, not that we're the enemy, but oh, mm. they could be carrying it. Yes. They could be the reason I get it. They could be the reason. And, and we're walking away from each other. We're not embracing each other, obviously, because that's we're told to stay away from each other. And that's a very unnatural human thing to do, I think. And then there's the the group thing that happens. You know, when people are feeling threatened, they can become sort of a mob. And so if somebody's not wearing a mask, which of course we completely support people should wear masks, then the mob mentality comes in and they start in a way uh, throwing, you know, not literal, but figurative stones at the other individual. And that becomes another problem. So one problem breeds another problem. And it's just been um, uh, an onslaught, not to mention, since you're a meteorologist, you know, all of the issues that Mother Nature has, has brought. 
from hurricanes and tornadoes and the, and the fires from lightning. What is going on? I, I do want to point out there is one similarity between 9-11 and the pandemic that the restaurant industry f- for sure uh, has been uh, in, on both sides. And that is even when they weren't making money, in fact, losing money, restaurants fed hospital workers. They fed essential frontline workers homeless and the food insecure because they have the facility to do it. They have a kitchen, they have food, they know how to do it and they know how to deliver it. So remember during the height of the pandemic, you know, hospitals and hospital workers and frontline workers were getting free food and fabulous food. Now it's time for all of us to return the favor. And that's the hashtag that we're using. Hashtag return the favor NYC. These folks took money out of their pocket, food out of their refrigerators to feed those that needed it. We need to keep them alive. And the website is one for all for nyc.com. I've produced PSAs that are running and will run again on radio stations and TV stations in New York. We're writing letters. We have billboards out around town. We're in publications. Look for it. Don't just turn the page. Say, yeah, you know, there's something here. A restaurant, $1 spent in a restaurant generates $1.75 in the economy. The economy is going to continue to fail because when the restaurants go down, all of the other industries, the cleaning industry, the flour industry, the, the, uh, the fork industry, uh, the, the trucking industry, they're all dependent, not to mention the workforce. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a great cause and needs to have the light shining on it for quite some time to come because it's going to take a while to recover. So before we let you go, we've kind of been, it's getting a little heavy this entire show. So I want to lighten it up a little bit. And let's just talk about your middle-aged warrior from the female perspective, coming out of a long broadcasting career, launching yourself into a lot of new projects. What's the latest and greatest, besides being the voice of middle-aged warriors, Valerie, uh, what's, the, <laughs> what's been the latest and greatest thing that's, that's going on in your life right now? It's so interesting. I have lost so much work. Not to, not to be negative, but it's a fact, as many people have, I do a lot of live events. I host them as a as a host or as a moderator, or as what is known as a voice of God, where I am the voice introducing people on stage. I had 15 jobs booked between spring and fall. Those are my busy seasons. And so I was like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? But um, I have a lot of other jobs that I do or things that I can market. And right now I'm the busiest I've ever been. I've not worked this hard in years. Okay. And what I want to say to your audience, and I agree, I don't mean to be dark, but I also like to be realistic about the world we live in. I always think there's a silver lining that when we are at our deepest, darkest time, it's when we start to rise up again. That's, that's natural. That's human nature. I have that ability. Thank you. Uh, to whomever I'm thanking, my parents, uh, the Almighty, whoever it is, I have the ability to get really deep, deeply dark and then come back up again. So I have a lot of things going on, but most uh, recently I've become part of uh, a company called the Audio Drama Initiative. We're doing amazing things. There is an audio podcast out, an audio drama podcast called Closing the Distance about the quarantine and about how people in a fictional way, have responded to it. Starring Jason Alexander, Tony Danza, Kathleen Turner, William Hurt, Kelly O'Hara. Some really phenomenal artists are performing on this podcast, available wherever podcasts are consumed. It's called Closing the Distance, Our Lives Under Quarantine.
quarantine. Well, that sounds like an exciting project to begin with. But I have to say to the audience, just speak of you a little bit more and elaborate in the time that I've known you. I've never seen a person work harder, get involved in more projects, constantly moving forward. You don't know reverse, apparently. You just, I always get the sense, no matter what the scenario, no matter what you're carrying on your back, the extra weight, you move forward, forward, forward. That's the way to go. And I think, and I don't mean this in any sexist type of way, you are an amazing representation of a middle-aged woman and continuing to sort of redefine yourself and grow and expand with time. And I mean expand in a good way. (laughs) <laughs> she never oh, say that thank to you. never say that to a woman uh, you you you've had no expansion whatsoever uh in that in that regard but but really i think you're an amazing role model for a lot of people and i you know often when i get in conversation with you when i look at your career and where you are now and i think of my daughter who's now 26 and i think uh we've got to get you two together because i i really would find you and mm-hmm. not my daughter but a lot of young women as an inspiration and to sort of learn how to focus a little bit more. I'm sure it took you time to get to that point, but I think that's a really powerful tool for a woman to have confidence and to know how to focus on what her strong points are. And I think you're, I do really truly think you're a great example of that. Thank you, Chris. And you know, maybe you'll have me back on again so I can talk a little bit about the uh, transition that I went through from t- 24 years of a very successful radio station to nothing. Um, it really, it, I, it was literally to nothing and starting from zero again. And that took a while, but it, you know, here I am. I, I know you have to wrap up, uh, although this is not broadcast radio, so I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be so um, specific about it. I do want to say one other project I'm working on that's going to happen September 25th. Is that okay? Sure. So I am producing an event, a virtual event called Art and Activism, Nourishing Conscious Communities for School of Visual Arts, Division of Continuing Education, where I am on uh, faculty. I'm an uh, instructor. And um, the event is going to be a virtual symposium from 12 noon to 7 p.m. Eastern time. People can zoom in anywhere they want. It's going to be a number of artists and a chef and uh, a marketer and the a fellow from materials for the arts so it's going to be a wonderful amalgam of really focused individuals utilizing art to move society forward and the, the mm-hmm. large topic is about climate change and sustainability and it's going to be fabulous so i would love people to learn about this if you go to sva.edu/ce you can learn about the event and find out how you can register. It's free. It's free. And it's a, a really nice event. Give that website again. SVA.edu slash CE. Member FDIC. <laughs> so we'll, put all of, we'll put all of this, though, on, on social media, all the different Absolutely. links. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And don't forget, uh, your good friend from Bronx Science, Peter Greenberg, who was our guest last week, has encouraged us to try and find some time to travel again. So when your life slows down, if it ever does, uh, we'll all get on a plane and go have a margarita somewhere, maybe we'll two. We'll do your podcast remotely and my radio show remotely, Bagels and Broadway, by the way. We didn't even talk about that. That's right. We have Bagels and Broadway (laughs) as well. Now, there's lots more to talk about. And I do really want to talk about that transition coming out of a long-running career into nothing, which is sort of where I'm evolving myself. So uh, that's another show. We've got another show already planned. Okay. Yeah, I'll be back. 
Valerie, thanks so much for taking some time. I know you're very busy. You've got uh, plenty of places to go now. But uh, thanks for taking a few minutes uh, to speak with the the boys. Happy (laughs) podcast, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, We're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.